Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, thank you for joining me. Good afternoon. I hope you're having a great day, and I'm glad you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. And really want to encourage you to take advantage of what we have on social media. So we have lots of great things. If you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, click on the link in the bio section, and you can get just all kinds of things. There's a great book, a little mini book that we did called How to Be Your Own Best Change Agent. And then we also have study guides. So for each podcast that we do, there is a study guide. So you can kind of, you know, listen to the show and go through and listen, you know, figure out what's going on in the study guide, or you can do it the other way around. Whichever one works, you can also do it as a group. I have some people that, you know, Wednesday nights, they do this. And so I think it's really encouraging to recognize that we really can be the best version of ourselves, that we're not trying to be somebody else. We're just trying to be, you know, a superhero as ourself and not trying to compete with other people. And so I'm, I've been talking about this book that I have just written, or not I just written, I just completed, I should say. And I'm really excited about it, and I think you're going to really enjoy it as well. And this book is called Wars to Peace, Keeping Relationships from Going Nuclear. And this is, actually, this book is a human manual is what it is. And so for 30 years, you know, about I've coached, I've directed, I've mentored, treated individuals, you know, really interested in becoming the best version of themselves. And what this work has shown me is the value of building relationships that are not only meaningful, but impactful and life-giving. See, learning to communicate in ways that create success, creates health, and strong and safe connections is vital to you becoming the best self and to living a joy-filled life. I'm not saying that it's perfect in any way, shape, or form, but my prayer for you is that you remember that you're a one-time only occurring person who is designed to enjoy this world, to flourish, and to leave everything better than you found it. And my promise to you, really, is to do everything I can to help you along the way. And I hope that this book empowers you. 
and speaks truth with kindness and teaches you how to listen deeply and helps you to become a master communicator with those you love and even those you just met. So this is a really important issue that we have, especially in our world today, is this ability to control ourselves, control our mouths, control our minds, control our emotions, and live at peace with one another. And right now, we are kind of like a walking piece of Velcro. I mean, we just snag on everything. And, and we have a hard time living in the gray. And so this idea of, of writing this book, which is really, truly the human manual, has to do, first and foremost, with the DEFCON principle. And this really fascinated me, how the military really harnesses and guides th their choices by measuring a DEFCON level so that they don't go nuclear if it's just something disrespectful. So nuclear is the last thing that we do. And nu going nuclear on a relationship, on yourself, on another person, means there's no coming back from it. And that's why it's really, really important to understand it. So we talked last week about this introduction to DEFCON and what that really means in terms of your relationships and how you interact with people. And so keeping the peace and controlling yourself, it really takes a lot of energy. However, for the sake of argument, how much do we really alter our environments for our pets, for our children? See, think of how understanding you are with your dog. So if he chews up your best pair of shoes, right, that might have cost $100, do you kill the dog? Or do you recognize this is what dogs do? So I'm not happy about it, but I might need to be a little bit more careful about how I do my house so that I can protect the things that really matter to me and not necessarily assume that my dog knows that these shoes are important to me. So how do we do this? And this is why when we talk about, you know, how much money do you spend on cat litter, right? And, and, and how about having, because you want a happy cat. And how about the elaborate lengths we go to in order to baby-proof our house? And many of you, I know, actually went from, you know, a sports car to a minivan, right? <laughs> so maybe you thought you'd never do it. So why would we not show the same deference for our counterparts and our contemporaries, even the stranger? So this is why we want to think about the only way you can work towards that peaceful environment is to focus on managing yourself. Everywhere you go, there you are. And so the more in control of you you are, the less that you let your emotions run the show. And I'm not talking about being data, like on Star Trek or something. I'm talking about recognizing that I have control over what's going on in my body if I choose to execute that. Now, I can't control everything, but when it comes to being flooded on emotions, and a lot of times I tell people, you know, you're drunk on your own emotions. I wouldn't, recognize, I wouldn't recommend you making any choices right now. You are completely drunk on all your feelings. And you are going to then sober up when those feelings, all that adrenaline, all those endorphins dissipate. And you're not going to like what the wreckage and damage is that you left. So let's think about this. How do we do this? How do we gain awareness and maturity? 
So you can also protect yourself from relationships that are destined to fail. You, you're going to more easily be able to identify a person's functionality level. Are they a high-functioning person? You're going to understand how to do boundaries and how to do that so it's not coming across like a wall. So yes, you can and you will change. It really is possible. And how do I know this? Because the principles that I'm going to introduce to you in this book have been tried and tested for years with all of my clients and proved to be really sustainable and successful for years with success. And I practice these principles myself. I walk them out every day. In my practice, I'm notorious for using my own life examples. So it's okay to feel bad, right, for my husband, my friends, and my family, because many times they are part of the story when I'm teaching someone what they can do or what they should not do. So you're going to notice a profound difference when you learn to really harness your emotions, when you understand the difference between truth and reality, truth and emotions. And so as we go through this, I want you to think about this idea of DEFCON and what this really means. And, and this is, you know, like we said, this is part of what the, the military uses in order to gauge how much they are going to engage with the enemy. What are they going to do? How far are they going to go to protect themselves, our country, and to protect maybe that, that enemy that they have is at the same time? But how are they going to get through this with the least amount of wreckage and damage? And so this can be like a war. So when you think about DEFCON, you might, you might think about that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? He's a, he's a mercenary. And so he, he really is recognizing in his head he's got four different options that he could use when the person knocked on his door. And they're like a DEFCON level. He can just say, go away. He can say, hey, who is it? Come back later. He can get up. He can slam the door in their face. Or he can actually kill them, right? So he's got all kinds of options that the Terminator can do when it comes to how he's going to act in any given situation. So we want to really remind ourselves of this. So when we look at the military use of DEFCON, this is official, when I, what I'm reading for you. It's the literal use of DEFCON for the United States. And so we have a countdown. And what it does is it goes five, four, three, two, one. And when you get to one, that's nuclear. So you want to think about, I want to be at stage five for the most part, which is normal readiness. I can do something if I need to, but I'm not on defense. And DEFCON 4, like we talked about last week, this is increased intelligence. It's watching. It's strengthening security measures. It's thinking, I might have to be a little careful right now. I may need to be a little bit more on my game. I might not be able to completely relax. So what we're going to talk about more today is DEFCON 3 and 2. So if things are going to 3, if they're escalating to 3, this means I need to increase my defense and that I need to be more than ready. And so this is where the Air Force is able to mobilize in 15 minutes if it needs to. It will do it immediately. 
And so so DEFCON 3 is like this really kind of this mid-range state of readiness of saying, things aren't going well right now. I'm kind of on alert. So I better control myself a lot if I want to get out of this alive. I better make sure I control my mouth, my body language, the way I'm thinking. Because anything that I'm saying and doing is also going to be interpreted by the other person. And if they don't know how to control themselves, it could become a very dangerous situation emotionally. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me. And we're going to talk more about DEFCON principles and how these work in your everyday life. Well, welcome to the show. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure that you uh, check out my website and all that we have on social media for you. We have lots of things, inspirational things, just directives, helps, all kinds of things. And I really appreciate my assistants. They just do such a great job. And so this book, which is called Wars to Peace, When Relationships Go Nuclear or Keeping Relationships from Going Nuclear, is actually at the publisher, so it's almost ready to come out. And so we do have a launch squad, so if you want to be a part of that, you can get um, a copy of the book that is a, um, a, a new release, and so you can get it before it goes out and is actually published. And we would love to hear your comments on it, if you like it, what you think about it, and if you'll endorse it. So make sure you go to the website, and you can, you can really... Um, get involved in that. So we are talking about this idea of DEFCON and how this book really is is founded on this. And DEFCON is a military experience, and this is a countdown. So we go five, four, three, two, one, and one is nuclear. That's no coming back. And so it's a descending kind of feeling. And so we know that, hey, at five, we're just kind of relaxing. At four, we might want to go, hey, this is kind of uncomfortable. I wonder what's going on. Maybe they're not having a good day. At three, you know, people start getting kind of nasty, right? Maybe accusatory. Maybe they start throwing things even or swearing. And this is where at three, we really want to start to understand that we better be on alert. We can't just be an observer and hope everything works out okay. We have to make sure that we know what we're going to do with ourselves so that we're not just reacting. Imagine if the military just reacted. You know, some, some other country was offensive or, you know, flew through a no-fly zone, right? And what, they set off a nuclear bomb? Well, that's kind of what we do in our relationships many times. We go way too far. Other times, maybe, we don't go far enough. So when you think about these, these different levels, and we think about, you know, three and two, then what you want to consider is how you are actually learning to manage your own well-being, your own life, so that you can actually be known for something positive. Like they might say, hey, Nancy, she really knows how to handle herself. She doesn't lose control of herself. She really handled that situation well. And so DEFCON 3 is the precursor 
to the damage of DEFCON 2, okay? Because from DEFCON 2, we go to 1, which is, like we said, nuclear. So alarms should be going off if you find yourself perpetually in DEFCON 3. If you are that kind of tightly wired, if you are that on edge, if you are that conscientious and also suspicious, then what's going to happen is the people in your life are going to pick up on that and they will also descend to that level. And now it's going to be very difficult to assume anything good about the other person. And so we have to be very careful when this happens. So I'm going to tell you a story. This is um, about, let's say, John and Jane's story, okay? So, and this helps to kind of illuminate the, the level of risk involved when loving and relating to humans. See, this is an analogy that helps my clients really better understand the nature and complexities of relationships. So I found this analogy to be very effective when learning how to prevent or recover from those relationship breakdowns, those crashes, those failures. And so our thoughts, our behaviors, our life experiences, emotions, and more would be considered relational currency. So what happens is we all have this financial bank account and then we have an emotional bank account that has deposits and withdrawals in it. So think about when you're looking at your bank account and you say, I can't believe the bank has taken this much from me. I didn't sign up for that. And so you have a really kind of a yucky feeling about the bank. This is what happens in relationships if we're not careful. And so what happens is with this particular couple that I'm calling Jane and John, what they presented to me in my office when I first met with them, my first question was, do you want me to help you stay together? Do you want me to help you conscientiously end this relationship? So when Jane suggested counseling to John, he was willing and she's thankful. And after the initial intake and having better understanding of their history, so I'm going to present them with a plan. So I told them that I use this frequently with couples who have basically annihilated their relationships, which means that the only thing that they know how to do right now is fight with one another. And they start throwing around the divorce word and you know language and all kinds of stuff. And so I tell them that this construct is similar to what banks use if they are working with a customer that's presenting maybe a history of bankruptcy. So if the bank is willing to go forward with this high-risk client, then what do they do? They set an initial credit, generally referring to as a rebuilding credit level. So I said to John, Jane wants to continue to be in relationship with you, which is similar to her hoping her bank will allow her to remain a customer, even though she has gone into bankruptcy. So what would be bankruptcy? Emotional bankruptcy in a relationship is an affair, is apathy. Maybe somebody is, it be, it begins to fall into an addiction. These things bankrupt relationships. So what we did with John was because her high, of her high-risk status, she's going to be required to make an initial security deposit, which is generally refundable based on a creditworthiness. So in this session, John came up with an appropriate emotional security deposit. He said, okay, Jane's willingness to be transparent in allowing me 
complete access to her phone and computer, as well as putting a GPS tracker on her car, will give me that ability to continue to stay in this relationship. So what we have to do is we have to wonder if Jane is willing to do this. Now, if Jane gets offended and she says, I'm not doing that, what does that say? Well, maybe I don't want to bank with Jane. So there have been people in my life that I refuse to bank with because they would emotionally bankrupt me. So we have to understand this process of how much skin in the game do you have? How willing, how far are you willing to go in order to, to prove to this person that, hey, I, I value this relationship. Even though I've messed up, I've learned, and I want to fix it. I don't want the relationship destroyed. Because you see, DEFCON 1 in relationship is divorce or, unfortunately, murder. And so we sometimes have people that kill one another or kill themselves. So we have to be really careful when we start to do this. It takes time to create new history with a person. And I need to be really committed to it. And I can't let my pride get in the way and tell me that, what well, I'm in a one-down position. I can't believe I'm having to work this hard. See, that's a very childish thought. We want to say to ourselves, I'm the one that put us here. That's a fact. So if this person is willing to let me fix it, how wonderful is that? I can learn. I can be a better person. Why wouldn't I want to be a better person? So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of DEFCON. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for taking the time today to listen to the show. And I want to make sure that you take advantage of the things we have on the website. So if you go to CynthiaHyatt.com, and that is spelled phonetically perfect, right? It's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T, Cynthia Hyatt. So it's very easy to find, and I want you to take advantage of the things that we have for you on the website. And if you go to the bio, there's a link, and you can get um, one of the books that we had written, uh, one of the mini books, and it is called How to Be Your Own Best Change Agent. And you can also take advantage of all the different props that we have. We have some study guides that go along with the the, uh, radio shows that you can use and download so I want to really encourage you to take advantage of those things. We also have lots of things on social media that can be inspiring throughout your, your week. So we are talking about this idea that we have a choice when it comes to relationship breakdown. We have a choice of how far we are going to go. And there are some things we cannot come back from. And I remind couples many times that you go nuclear on somebody, we, don't go, we can't come back from that. There's so much destruction. So we have to be recognizing that instead of constantly reacting to whatever this person is saying or doing or not saying or not doing, that is a choice that I have. So I can work on my side of the street. 
and I can make sure that I'm acting in a way that I will not regret, regardless of how out of control the other person is. So you have a choice. And, and this is where we have to learn emotional containment. See, when I was younger, you know, I was in a relationship fraught with, you know, relentless and intentional conflict. And the boyfriend that I had, you know, tried his best to tear me down, wear me down, exhaust me to the point of worthlessness. And I remember one especially hurtful evening. And when he went after me, and I think it's because it was out of boredom. And this is what he, he was attempting to emotionally incite me. And he threw insults after insults. I could feel that conflict spiraling. And his accusations were making me crazy because none of them were true. And so if you know me personally, you, you would know I'm, I'm a pretty soft-spoken person. And I'm not violent. I certainly have learned to be assertive. I can be quite strong. But that's really not what I enjoy doing. I'm not someone that has a propensity for swearing. And so what happens is we have to be able to recognize that we have choices. And what happens when the amygdala in our brain is fired and we get all that adrenaline rush that now we're in survival mode, we start to get very narrow in our thinking and our purview and we start to think we have one option. It's either live or die. And this is where we have to remind ourselves, wait a minute. I'm not in a war. I may be in an emotional war, but I don't want this to get physical. And I don't want myself to be believing everything that is being thrown at me. So I may need to take a time out. I may need to just say, you know what, I need a time out. I'm not going to handle myself well. And if the other person says, well, if, you need, if you're taking a time out, then we're done. We're over with. And I really want to encourage you to understand if that's the case, that might be the solution. And so these are tough for us to learn. But this DEFCON countdown really helps you to understand what's going on in your own body. And it helps us to be responders versus reactors. And see, reactors always think after they act. Responders think before they act. And when we get into that emotional, terrible, you know, back and forth with somebody, we don't feel like we have time. And this is where I remind people, and you've heard me say it so many times on this show, blood, broken bones, nobody's breathing fire. That's when we have no time. That's when we do catastrophic things to make sure that people are all right. And we just want to come out of it alive. So anything else is just emotional, scary, hurtful, maybe harmful emotionally as well, but it isn't necessarily life-threatening. And this is where we have to use that adult part of ourselves to say, man, I need to relax. I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. And then I'm going to be really regretful. So this is all about understanding your own physiology, your own personality, your relationship style, what you learned growing up, how much of that you want to keep, and how you are going to actually do your relationship style. And you get to choose that. So this is Cynthia Hyatt. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea 
of DEFCON and how that principle affects us. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you so much for joining me. And we are talking about a principle that is called DEFCON, and I have put it into a book. And this book that I've just finally finished is kind of really the human manual is what it is. And it really helps us understand humans and what they're all about and how we act, react, don't act, and what we can do to enhance our relationships as well as that relationship I have with myself. Because everywhere you go, there you are. And so we want to remind ourselves that we have choice here. And when we get into that fight, flight, or freeze moment, when we feel like it's either do or die, you have to recognize that all of a sudden your choices are gone. You're left with two. I either kill that person or I get killed. That's what your brain is telling you. It's very rare for us. <laughs> so we have to remind ourselves this is a feeling. I don't know how true that feeling is, but I better get a handle on myself instead of trying to handle the other person. See, this is what first responders do, right? This is, this is what anyone that's helping little kiddos do. They make sure they have a handle on themselves before they try to handle a 16-year-old. Because otherwise it's going to really become complicated. So when we were talking about Jan and Jane's, Jan, John and Jane's story, it was all about what Jane had done and whether or not John was going to declare emotional bankruptcy and say, I can't come back from this. So if we look at this idea, then, then let's, let's go back to this idea with John and Jane. Okay, so at the end of six months, Everything seemed to be kind of moving in the right direction. And we looked at kind of lessening some of the, some of the restrictions. And maybe we're going to be making a full year. So I'm going to ask John if he's willing to extend credit to Jane for another six months. So we've tried this for six months. And we've put a lot of these things. We've implemented many of these relationship kind of principles and John says, yeah, I think I can. I think I want to go forward. So what happened was John and Jane graduated from therapy. They're very aware of how to manage their own relational bank accounts. And one of the ways that Jane increases her credit trustworthiness with John and help John's continual healing from what she had done has everything to do with how she responds to his discomfort or his doubts. See, many times when people have healed from some things, the person that, that is, is the, the one that created the pain, created the hurt, many times starts to get offended or angry that the person is still maybe feeling it. And what I want to remind you of is that when we look at physical injuries, like I've sprained my ankle twice. And so I kind of have a, a, it's like a, when people say they have a trick knee, I have to be careful with that ankle. Because if I sprain it again, it will sprain even harder than it did when I did it the first time. And so we have to recognize that this person that I'm interacting with, if I've asked them to heal from a transgression that I have done, then the more often I say, absolutely, I understand. Of course, I'm sorry that triggered you. I hate that you have that. 
I'm so glad that we continue to work on this. And you just be positive. So you see, if, if John, you know, just says to her something like, I can't believe you're bringing this up again. And maybe Jane is saying, I, you know, I'm never going to be free of what I've done. You're never going to forget it. Then this is where people really struggle with saying, wait a minute, this is not rebuilding trust. And so if we recognize how far we've come, instead of only focusing on where we want to be, we can see what a great job we did. So this gives us this opportunity when I talk to people about being in relationships and if they are in a, in a new relationship, I give the, them the analogy of, you know, the analogy that covers a big withdrawal of emotional currency. You know, it's like yours can be any kind of variation. It can be kids, coworkers, neighbors, strangers, right? So you have to become trustworthy. You have to be humble enough to do whatever it takes. If you're making new relationships with people, we have to remember that every human is a risk. And we want to take good risks. This is why I'm so big on the issue of time, that you give relationships time. So ask yourself, when it comes to me, am I a depositor or am I a deductor? Am I a good risk or a bad risk? See, every human is a risk, but be that as it may, we should always be assessing the level of risk. See, anyone who reads this book that I've written and applies the principles would be considered a good risk in a relationship because of the information that they have. And so we consider all children worthwhile long-term investments, no matter the risk. We do this with employees. We do this with investments. You know, possible love relationships are potential investments and should be done with wisdom. So we want to take advantage of time. I can't tell you how many times a day I say to people, time. Time is your best friend. Take time. See, what I need to understand about relational risk is that some people may be too high of a risk. In fact, so high that they are such a high risk, I can't emotionally afford them. Now, it doesn't mean I hate them or judge them. I actually might like them. But when I'm not responsibly managing my own emotional bank account, these relationally high-risk individuals may end up bankrupting me. And I might not even know it until my, my emotional bank account is in a deficit. So I have to be careful how much I'm loaning when it comes to forgiveness. I'm loaning them more time. And I have to find out how close to zero I am. How many outstanding bills do I have? And yes, I need to manage my own creditors. So if I'm giving so much time and energy to this person that the emotional currency that my other relationships may require or deserve, see, they will end up then being harmed by this particular person. And they may not, might not even know that person. So like a bank, I have a responsibility to others to have the necessary resources I need to interact and be relationally available to those who bank with me. So if I spend all of my resources on high-risk people, the relational cost will not compensate for my investment. And the ROI, the return on my investment, is very low. It's similar to those people who live outside their means. See, relationally high-risk people will eventually let everyone down and bankrupt themselves leaving those who have invested in them with nothing to show for it, other than maybe empty promises, feeling betrayed, 
and sometimes foolish. See, there's a difference between gambling and investing. And many times we assume we're investing, pe- investing in people when we actually might be gambling and hoping for this huge payoff, right? So we have to be careful about how we think. And this is where it always comes back to time. I say to people, please take advantage of time. Time always tells the truth. And if you are willing to let time do its job, you'll be amazed at how much better your decision-making is. So if I've allowed one person to drain me of all my resources, then I'm responsible for the ripple effect in my own life. I know I have limited resources as a human, and I must guard them and manage them. Furthermore, I must be committed to increasing my personal resources so that I have more to spend on those endeavors that I'm investing in. Those high-risk individuals who are not managing their own resources are stealing from me and should not have the right to cause me to close my emotional doors and resist relating with other people. So if we can internalize and live by this concept, we're going to better learn to recognize high-risk individuals, and we will better gauge our level of investment and expenditures by doing it wisely. And as a result, we become better credit risks, emotional credit risks, right? And we may have even higher credit rating when it comes to, wow, that's a safe person. See, I want people to describe me that way. I want people to say, hey, you know, she's really good. She's really kind. She's really healthy. She's got good boundaries. She, and, and she really does know what she's doing. She's not perfect, but she's helped me a lot. See, that means that I'm a good risk. So the best way to deal with your past is to reconcile with it so you don't repeat it. See, I need to accept my past as is and not lie to myself about it, to not rewrite it or embellish it. And this is where we've said this many times on this show, acceptance does not mean agreement. I can accept a whole bunch of things that I have done, but I don't agree with all of them. And I have to be able to then forgive. And if I can't forgive myself, I'm going to have a really hard time forgiving other people. See, your your past is a powerful reminder of either who you want to be or who you don't want to be, right? There's lots of things in my past where I say, I'm glad it's in my past. I'm not doing that again. And there are some things in my past that I say to myself, wow, I did that really well and it continues to serve me. So while you can't undo your past or rewrite your history, you can redo your present and create a new future for yourself and others, even those people that you may have offended. So this can be extremely admirable and healing for those you've let down, as well as the possible cultivation of hope. And the more often you do it, the better you get at it. See, the beautiful thing about time is the opportunity to create new history. I can't undo my past, I know that. And I need to treasure my present and future because this is where hope lies when I'm creating new history. I want to be able to say, that's what I used to do, I learned. I want to be able to say, yeah, that's in my past and I'm so glad it's back there, I'm not repeating that, I learned. See, I now am then viewed as a brave overcomer and in the elite group of individuals who can actually change. 
And this is why I've done that show uh, many times. I, we have recorded this show of, you know, the comeback. Everybody loves a comeback. So I want you to recognize that you can come back from mistakes. You can't change the mistake itself. But you can come back from it. You can be a better person because of it. Instead of that mistake defining you and stealing from your future and from your relationships, you can actually create new history. People can change, learn, and grow. But if I keep doing the same thing, I'm going to keep getting the same results, right? And I will be continuously reinforcing my history. And then, unfortunately, people will anticipate the same old thing. They won't even expect change from me. And they will not be trusted until it really my history becomes new. So if I have a moment of change, that's not going to be trusted until it really becomes new history. So don't say you'll change until you're ready to seriously implement it for real. This only intensifies the hurt when people get a glimpse of what you could do, but apparently are too lazy to continue doing. So you can be the person that you know you need to be, should be, and could be, and, and who God has, has really, truly designed you to be. And I want you to be that version of yourself. So thank you for really listening to me today. And I hope that you are going to be getting excited about this book. And we'll make sure that we can get you an advanced copy if you want to be part of the Lunch Squad. So have a great week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version.